I, you know, that song that our choir just quoted with, I love that song. It is, it, it is so powerful. The reminder of what Jesus did for us. Think about how far He came for us, right? He came all, uh, all this way. Why did He do that? Well, He came all this way to make our hearts His home. He wanted to make His home and He wanted to take up residence in our hearts and, and, and in our lives. And that's so powerful. And, and over the past few weeks, if you've been with us over the past few weeks, we've been doing a series that we've called It Came to Pass. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed so much being able to share uh, that series with you. We're wrapping it up today with this celebration of praise. This morning, the choir has taken us from God's throne in heaven. Uh, we were reminded that even in the beginning, before the, the heavens and the earth were even created, Jesus was there and He was in heaven with His Father. And, and we're reminded of that. And, and so this morning, the choir has taken us from the throne room to a manger that resides in a stable. It came to pass. It actually happened. It, it truly did. And, and on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about, for those of you that didn't even know we had church on Wednesday nights, we've been having some uh, great times of Bible study, and we've been focusing on, on when, last few Wednesday nights, the journey to Christmas. And we've been preparing our hearts, our families, our, ourselves for this this journey to Christmas, and, and, and we've been looking at the fact that the Christmas story, uh, if you look at it, it's actually a story of many journeys, right? There's several journeys that take place there. Uh, in, in the Bible story, as you look at it, you see the, the journey of Mary and Joseph, uh, right? From Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. Uh, as we were narr as I, they asked me to narrate this this morning, and they had me some notes up on the screen because they know I can't remember anything, and so we had some notes back there. And the notes said that that Mary and Joseph traveled seventy miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Well, uh, for those of you that were here on Wednesday night, we were talking about the very journey that they made. They actually traveled ninety-two miles. Uh, as they journeyed from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Uh, and she was, where, where was she? And what did she ride on? On a donkey. Some of you have been around here a while. I know I preached a sermon one time about Mary on a donkey. Uh, but anyway, so uh, in the story, we see the journey of Mary and Joseph. We see the journey of the shepherds. Right? From, from their fields, watching the flocks by night. We see them journey from their fields to uh, the stable. We see the journey of the wise men. Right? They were following a star uh, on their journey. And so we've been talking about that. But the most impressive journey is the journey that we're focusing on this morning. And that's the journey of Jesus. Think about it. From His throne in heaven. Alright? Every journey has a beginning and an end. Right? Jesus began His journey at a throne room in heaven and He traveled all the way to a manger. It happened. It came to pass. We've been proving that point over the last few weeks. If you have any doubt whatsoever that that actually happened, I encourage you to go back to our website, listen to uh, the messages from the last few weeks or our podcast. And, and I believe over the last few weeks, as we've looked at some of these prophecies that were in the Old Testament, these Old Testament prophecies, uh, there are actually over 320, okay, very specific, very detailed prophecies that are, are listed in the Old Testament pertaining to the birth of Jesus, His birth, His life, His death, the burial, uh, the resurrection. And we see that they're very detailed, they're very specific predictions and prophecies 
that were made hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. Hundreds of years before Jesus would, would ever be born. Prophecies like uh, the prophecy of the virgin birth uh, that was made some 700 years. Last week we began to look at the book of Isaiah. But look at this prophecy right here from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah uh, was, was predicting and prophesying that our Savior would be born uh, to a virgin. And, and so last week we saw there were many more prophecies describing uh, the Messiah by the prophet uh, Isaiah. Uh, and then there in the, in the uh, book of Micah, we see a very specific prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And, and in the Old Testament, Micah 5, 2 says this, But you, Bethlehem, and you can say the next word yourself, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel. And the Old Testament is filled with prophecies just like this. There are over 320 more uh, that we can go through if you want. Or if you want to hang around, I'll give you all 322 this morning. But there are so many prophecies that detail the coming of Jesus. Listen, folks, it came to pass. It happened. Uh, it, it truly did. And because of that, I believe that it would be pretty difficult for anyone to say that the birth of Jesus was just some sort of coincidence. I believe that it would be impossible for someone to say that this was some kind of fabricated story that everybody, you know, kind of put together over a course of two or three thousand years. And oh, by the way, it just all lined up with what was prophesied uh, in the Old Testament by fulfilling these 320 very specific prophecies. God put his stamp on the Christmas story. Right? He authenticated the entire story, the entire thing that we're celebrating today. People have been, if, if this was all made up and fabricated, do you think 2,000 years later we'd still be talking about it? And, and we'd still be singing about it? I, I mean, right, we hear news every single day fake news, fake news, fake news. Right? It don't last a week when you hear the fake news, it don't last a week. If this were fake news, I would argue that we wouldn't still be talking about it 2,000 years later, right? And, and so, uh, and, and think about it. The world has never been so impacted by one single human being. The world has never been so impacted by a human being than it was by this baby that was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Folks, it came to pass. It happened. It truly did. But think about the journey of Jesus uh, this morning that we're talking about. It begins in heaven. Right? It begins in a place of splendor. It begins in a place of absolute beauty that can't even hardly be described by John over in the book of Revelation. He can't even hardly put words to it to explain what he saw when he got a glimpse of heaven. Think about what it is there. There were walls of jasper. Right? There were gates that were made of pearl. There were streets of gold. The river of life ran through it. The throne of God was there. And you think that the worship is pretty good here. I mean, we've got some people that can sing pretty good. Right? What you've seen this morning compared, in no way can compare to the worship that's taking place in heaven today. Right? It can't compare. The worship is, is so incredible where Jesus came from. It, the Scripture tells us that the angels are constantly gathered around the throne worshiping God and worshiping Jesus. All of heaven's focus is on the throne. It's on Him. It's on the throne. 
Also, there's no evil in heaven, right? There's no sin there. There's no wrong there. There's no slow drivers in the left-hand lane there, right? I mean, it's a place of perfection, right? I love our new coach. Get in the left lane and hang her down, right? And if you can't do that, get in the right lane. It's the same. Heaven is a place of, of perfection. There's, there's nothing, there's no hurts there. That there's no disagreements there. There's no politics there. Think about how wonderful heaven is. And now think about the fact that Jesus left there. He walked away from all that. He, he left all that to come here. Why would anyone want to leave there? Why would anyone want to walk away from that? But Jesus did. We know that He did. And where did He leave there to go? To a stable. He left all of that to go to a manger in a, in a stable where there were no angels. Right? There were only probably some animals that were around that were smelly and nasty. It was a far cry from where He'd been. Right? Wouldn't you say? It's a far cry from, from heaven as to where He ended up. Jesus later said, He said that the foxes have holes and the birds have nests. He said, but the Son of Man has nowhere to even lay His head. He left a place where the pavement is gold. And He arrived here in poverty. He came all this way. And did He come just to fulfill these 322 prophecies that we've been talking about the last few weeks? Well, yes. Jesus came in fulfillment of prophecy. But there's a bigger reason. There's a deeper reason that He came. Was it because of sin? Think about it. Sin had basically ravaged humanity. It had destroyed people. It was destroying families. It was destroying great nations. All throughout the, the Old Testament, all throughout history, God had judged sin, right? He had judged evil uh, in this world and he, he clearly showed that He was on the opposite side of that, right? He was on the opposite side of evil. Sin had to go. Sin had to be dealt with uh, in this world. So yes, Jesus did come because of sin. But there's still a, a deeper reason that I want you to notice this morning. And, and we see the reason in the Christmas story that we've been going over for the past several weeks. And, and, and I believe we see the reason here why Jesus came. In the very first book of the New Testament. Any, anybody know what the first book in the New Testament is? The Gospel of Matthew, right? In the very first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. In that very first chapter. Anybody ever read the first chapter of Matthew? Probably some of the most boring reading you've ever read. Right? We all have good intentions every year at the beginning of the new year. We're going to read through the Bible. And, or, you know, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And we start the book of Matthew. And, and we immediately kind of get discouraged. Because we read that first chapter of Matthew. And it's like this genealogy, right? It's, it's this a list of like all the people in the Old Testament, it seems like. And, and, and really, if you don't know what you're looking at, it really makes no sense. But as you look through in Matthew chapter 1 and, and you look at the genealogy of Jesus, we find something in there that is rather odd. And I don't know if you've ever noticed it before, but in that listing of, of Jesus' uh, uh, history and genealogy, we find four women that are listed there. Now that's just out of the norm. 
That's not normal that a woman would be listed as a part of someone's genealogy as you were going back and looking. And Matthew pulls here in this these four women from Old Testament history and he inserts them in here in the genealogy of Christ, the Son of God, right? He inserts them here and it appears that they don't fit the normal pattern, right? And when he lists them, it's almost like not only does he list them, but it's almost like he puts an emphasis on the fact that he's listing these women here in the genealogy of Jesus to point them out to us. And in verse 3, we see this lady by the name of Tamar. In verse number 5, we see a lady mentioned by the name of Rahab. Again in verse 5, we see a lady mentioned by the name of Ruth. And then in verse 6, we see a woman named Bathsheba. All listed in the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So who are these women and why in the world are we talking about them at the Christmas program this morning that we're doing? Uh, and why are they talked about here in the, in the genealogy of Jesus? These four women, went, I, I, I've never seen any of these four women in any Christmas program that I've ever seen. Have you? I mean, they've never been a part of it. But here's what they show us. It shows us why He came. It shows us exactly why He came. Who was Tamar? Who was she? Well, she was a lady that we learn about in the Old Testament that was guilty of having incest with her father-in-law. Right? Rahab. Anybody know who Rahab was? She was a notorious hooker in the Old Testament, right? I'm sorry, prostitute. You got a prostitute to church. Right? She was, a, she was a, a notorious prostitute that we read about in the Old Testament. Ruth? Well, she was a Moabite. And let me tell you something about the Moabites. They were very hated by the Jews and the Israelites. Right? They, they, were, they were very hated. They were hated enemies of the Israelites. And then Bathsheba, a lot of you, that name probably rings a bell. She was most notably known for committing adultery with David in, in the Old Testament. So what are they doing listed here in, in the, the lineage of Jesus? In His genealogy, in His past, what, what are they doing listed here? In, in, in the Son of God's family history. And, and then, uh, in the popular Christmas story that's recorded in Luke chapter 2, we're introduced to the shepherds. We talked about them a little bit a few weeks ago. They were basically the uh, social cellar dwellers, right? Uh, of the time. They were common people. They would have been very poor. Uh, they were not socially accepted uh, at the time, but they were the ones, think about it, they were the ones that God sent a direct message to. They were the ones that He sent the direct announcement to that His Son had been born. He sent it to these lowly shepherds. And then also something that's interesting to note is the fact that the very first gospel that we just talked about, the gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, it was written by who? Matthew. Right? And that gives us another clue about Jesus because I don't know if you know who Matthew was, but Matthew was a tax collector. And nobody likes a tax collector. Right? I mean, they were crooked. They would have been, they would have been viewed as if they were in like maybe the mafia type people. They were very crooked. They couldn't be trusted. No one liked a tax collector. Everyone hated tax collectors. But yet we see that it was a tax collector that has written the very first gospel 
in the New Testament are the Bibles that we're holding today. And Matthew was called by Jesus to be one of his disciples. I'm sharing all of this with you because I believe it gives us a clue as to who Jesus is and why Jesus came. And it's this. Jesus came for the outcasts. That's why He came. He came for the outcasts. He, he didn't come for the kings and the queens. He didn't come for the royalty. He didn't come for the religious leaders. Matter of fact, Jesus, the biggest issues that Jesus had while He was here was with the religious leaders. Jesus didn't come for all of those people. He didn't come for the wealthy. He didn't come for the popular. He came for those who were outcasts. He came for those who weren't considered to be religious people. He came for people, don't miss this, He came for people who were so far from perfect. That's us. If you're perfect here today, welcome to church, Jesus. We're glad you came. We're all so far from perfect. He came for those. He came for us. That, that every single one, that it's every single one of us. And some of us don't know that we're not perfect, but, but you are. Jesus came. He came all this way. He left that throne in heaven to come to a stable, to come to a manger. Why? Because He loved you. You were on His mind. I was on His mind. He came, he came for us. That's why He did everything that He did when He came to this earth. He did it to make your heart His home. That's why He came. He came for the outcast. He came for those who weren't perfect. He came for those who, who could never bridge that gap that was there between us and God. He came for us to make our heart His home. That's why He left heaven. That's why He left uh, heaven to go to a stable. And not only to a stable, but 33 years later, He would go to a cross with you on His mind, knowing that you weren't perfect and you couldn't be perfect. And He came to a stable and He went to a cross because He knew what you couldn't do. But He could do it for you. And He came all this way. That's what Christmas is all about, folks. That's why we celebrate. That's why we get excited. That's why we exchange gifts. That's why we do everything that we do. That's why we're here today. And I would just tell you that it is no accident that you're here today, by the way. He had it planned on purpose that, that you would be here today. God wanted you to know today. He wanted you to hear today that He came all this way to make your heart his home. He came all this way to make your heart His home. He came for you because He loves you. He knows everything about you. That's kind of scary. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you've done, everything in your past. He knows what you did yesterday. He knows about that argument y'all had on the, in the car coming to church this morning. He knows everything about you, but yet He still chose to come for you and, and, and to give His life for you. And again, Christmas it is a story about all these journeys. The journey of Mary and Joseph. The journey of the wise men. The journey of the shepherds. The journey of Jesus. But there's another journey this morning that is a part of this story today, and that's your journey. 
Write your part of this Christmas story as well because He came for you. He came to the manger for you. He came from heaven. He came all this way for you. And so you're a part of the Christmas story. You're a part of this journey. You're on a journey. And let me just tell you this morning that He wants to be a part of your journey. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to be your constant companion. He wants to be your friend. But most importantly this morning, He wants to be your Savior. That's why He came all this way was to save you from something that you cannot save yourself from. And so the journey starts. The journey for us begins when we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus. That's where it begins. That's where the journey starts. And that journey continues as we walk with Him on this journey of life. And He says that He will never leave us once we start the journey with Him. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never walk away from you. Right? I'll walk with you even in the valley of the shadow of death. He said, I'll be with you always, watching over you and comforting you. And Jesus has called us to this journey with Him that He wants to go with us on. And my prayer for every single one of you that is here today is that as we make this journey toward Christmas over the next week, that you will make this journey with Jesus. That you won't walk it alone. That you will walk it up with Him. He went to great lengths to walk with you. He went up to great lengths to make His journey to earth and to do all that He did for you. Listen, it came to pass. It has been proven. He is our risen Lord and Savior. It came to pass. The question that the choir leaves us with today, every single one of us, have you made your heart His home? Let me pray for you. God, we thank You for this awesome reminder today about how much You truly do love us. We see the great links and what You did to make that journey from the most incredible place that is anywhere. You, you made a journey from the throne room in heaven to come to this earth to do something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And we thank You for this reminder today of this great love that You have for us. And God, I thank You today that You came for people like me. Because none of us have it all together. None of us have all the answers. None of us could pay the price that we needed to pay for our sins and have that taken care of for all of eternity. But You loved us enough to do that for us because we couldn't do it on our own. And God, I just pray today that if there would be even one person here that maybe walked in here alone, and they haven't yet asked you to come into their heart. They haven't yet uh, made their heart your home. I pray that sometime today or sometime in this journey up to Christmas, that they would find a place and a time where they would just come before you and surrender their life to you. Surrender their plan to you. Surrender their will to you. And accept you into their life. And walk with you through the rest of this journey. A journey that will take us ultimately into eternity. 
And that's a place we definitely want to be with you and spend with you. And if there be one here today that needs to make that decision, I pray today would be a day of decision that they would tell someone, they would share with someone, go to a family member, maybe one of our staff people, and say, today I made that decision or I want to make that decision and I need some help. God, I pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage to do that because this journey that we have right here in this life is a very, very short journey. But the journey of eternity never ends. It lasts forever. And that's the one that matters most. So God, I pray that today some people would make a decision to journey with you forever, for an eternity. And we'll be careful to praise you and give you the glory. You've been lifted up in this place. Your word says if we'll lift you up, then we'll draw men to you. I trust you've done that today. Thank you again so much for your awesome love for us. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' powerful name that we all pray. And everybody said.